The reading is taken from uh, the book of Acts, uh, chapter 2, starting at verse 14, and then moving to verse 22. And it's on page 1093 of your Bibles. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. And continue at verse 22. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. morning. I'll just take you all in as I haven't seen you from the front yet. think I might leave. Uh, Let's pray. Lord, let us come as we are. Let us come as who we are. And let us now, Lord, meet with you, risen Saviour. Speak your word to us, Lord, by your Spirit. Love us, Father deeper and further into your kingdom. Amen. Uh, Well, to come to this church, it seems that you need to have uh, really good voices, singing's really good, and very good eyesight. Um, Yeah, really good. Um, 
Let me begin by telling you that uh, during this week, I, I, had a, I had a talk I was preparing for this morning, which was called Inside Out. And that was going through my mind. And then one morning, uh, early one morning, um, I had a dream. The details of the dream are not particularly important. What is in, important is that what woke me up and got me out of bed were these words. And the words which I heard, saw, whatever, in my, at the end of my dream were, naivety is closer to wisdom than cynicism is. Now we'll just spend the next two hours discussing that together. <laughs> naivety is closer to wisdom than cynicism is. And I was out of bed quite quickly. I, I'm, I'm not someone who finds it difficult to get out of bed. It's just the way I'm made, I guess. And my pattern is always to get up early to meet with the Lord. So I was out of bed downstairs and started writing. And the result is this morning's sermon, talk, meditation, reflection, Something to fill in the time. Right, so this morning, we'll come back to that statement in a moment. This morning, I want to champion three things. I want to champion this Sunday, the Sunday after Easter. I want to champion a childlike perspective and attitude. And in connection with that, I want to champion naivety over cynicism. Okay. Why am I championing this Sunday? Well, it's because, I think it's only in the Anglican Church, I, I may be mistaken about this, but it, it, you know, this is called Low Sunday. What a dreadful name. It's like, you know, we, we've had Easter Day, brilliant, now it's downhill. And it's like, come on Easter Sunday, because that's really the big day, and we don't mind if you don't come the following week. You can stay away, because lots of our own people do anyway. It's terrible, isn't it? We've shot ourselves in the foot, us Anglicans. Low Sunday. What a dreadful name. Um, but in my research on this, uh, well, I, I need to say as well, just as a parenthesis, that uh, low numbers are not a problem to Jesus. Five loaves, two fish. Twelve become eleven to take on the world, a carpenter against the Roman Empire, not a problem for Jesus. Small numbers. Do not the despise the day of small things, we're told in the Old Testament. And uh, additionally, Jesus says, unless you become like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. All right. Now then, in my research... I discovered another name for this Sunday, and, and um, I've read a number of books. I've never come, come across this before. This Sunday is also known as Quasimodo Sunday. <laughs> How about that? Did you know that? Pardon? No, We'll lay hands on you afterwards. <laughs> right, yeah, Quasimodo Sunday. It is. It, 
I'm not, I'm not pulling your leg. It is called Quasimodo Sunday. And I'll tell you why. Because long, long time ago in the life of the church, Sundays were sometimes named from the opening words of what was known as the introit, or the anthem that was sung right at the beginning of the service. So whatever the opening words were, that Sunday may be called by those, those, those words. And the opening words for this Sunday, a long time ago, were in Latin. Right? Now, I'm not a Latin scholar at all. I come from Liverpool. I used to teach English uh, uh, in a high school just like John. And um, I used to teach English. And because that was in Liverpool, we were part of the foreign languages department. <laughs> so this is, uh, if you do Latin, I'll mispronounce this. But this is the opening line of the introit from some time ago. Quasi modo genitae infantes rationabile sine dulo lac concupisate ut in echo crescatis in salutem. Alleluia. That was the last. No, that is actually the last word. That, you know, that, that's the one word I got right. Now then, this is based on one Peter. Chapter 2, verse 2, which says, Like newborn infants, you must long for pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow into salvation. Like newborn infants, you must long for pure spiritual milk. Now, quasi-modo means like. So we could say be quasi-modo Newborn infants. Do you get the gist? It means like. And in uh, Victor Hugo's novel of uh, 1831, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, the Archdeacon of Notre Dame finds this abandoned baby on the uh, cathedral steps, and he finds the baby on this Sunday. And so it's thought that Quasimodo gets his name from this Sunday, Quasimodo. So the Archdeacon thought... I'll name him Quasimodo. But it also might be that when the archdeacon saw the deformities of the baby, his thought was, this child is almost like a normal child. Therefore, I will call him Quasimodo. So, can you imagine this time next year between Easter Day and this Sunday, you can say to your friends, why don't you come to church? We're celebrating Quasimodo Sunday. And they'll all want to come to see how you dress on that occasion. They may be of interest to come. You see, I would say, and I'm sure you would agree, this Sunday is as significant as last Sunday. This is Resurrection Day, isn't it? They're not sure, John. It's, it's Resurrection Day. Jesus is alive. Yeah, it's great to celebrate it on Easter Sunday, but if we leave that in isolation, our Christian lives are the poorer. So I want to champion today. Today's Resurrection Day. Today is Rainbow Day. It's promise. God's promise renewed every day, just like his love. So today's Resurrection Day. Isn't that brilliant? Jesus with us. If I'd have done the talk about inside, uh, inside and out, I would have talked about 
He walks with me, he talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives, he lives within my heart. But I would also would have said that he's here. Can I introduce you to my friend Jesus? Because he walks with me and he talks with me and he's here alongside me. He's inside and he's outside. He's alive. I can turn to him and talk to him. Just like that. Isn't that wonderful? Any time, day or night. So that's why I'm championing today. Why am I championing a um, childlike perspective? I think there is a naivety which we need to aspire to as Christians. And naivety needs to be honoured and cherished. I looked up the word naivety. And these are synonyms for that word. Innocent. You have been forgiven. He has forgotten the wrong you've done. You're forgiven. You live in a state of grace. And you may, like me, sin again and you're forgiven again. And each time he forgives, he forgets. And you are made innocent. Sinless. Otherwise, why did Jesus die? Innocent. Unsophisticated. Artless. Guileless. Unworldly. Childlike. Trusting. Trustful. Dewy-eyed. Starry-eyed. Wide-eyed, simple, natural, unaffected, unpretentious, unsuspecting, over-trusting, over-trustful, born yesterday and again today and the day after. Unsuspicious, wet behind the ears. Now, I think some of those words are really attractive. I think they should describe us. Unsuspicious. How suspicious are you and I of other people? The way they talk, the way they dress, when we see them on the streets, when they walk past our houses. Why do we get so suspicious? And we have no evidence at all against those people. The way they drive their cars, the way they dress, whatever it is. See, there's a naivety in children, isn't there? Yeah? Oh, he's not sure about that either. Naivety. Um, we have a wonderful, well, we have three wonderful grandchildren. Yeah, you look at me and you think, I can't believe he has grandchildren. Um, uh, our youngest is Beth, she's 12. When she was younger, um, we were at the New Wine Summer Conference. Do you know of New Wine? New Wine, you know, uh, came out of St. Andrew's, Chorley Wood, David, uh, Bishop David Pitchers, John Coles, etc. Um, and so we were, we, we were with our church uh, at this uh, summer conference. And Beth comes uh, back from her group, whatever it was called. She comes one lunchtime, she comes back and she starts talking to Grandma. And she says to Grandma, uh, we prayed for a little girl yesterday who, was, who wasn't well. And she's, she's, she's well today. 
We've prayed for another little girl today. I expect she'll be better tomorrow. That's naivety, isn't it? Adults would say, we prayed for someone yesterday. They're better today. I wonder how that happened. And we prayed for someone else today. But I don't suppose it'll work again, will it? See, we're we're missing out here. Jesus said you have to be childlike. I want to champion being childlike. I want to call us back to being childlike. To shred the, the suspicion, the worldliness, the corruption. The corruption of our spirits, our minds and our emotions. I want us to be trusting the Lord who is alive and with us, trusting him naively. We heard of, um, we heard, this was at New Wine as well, we heard of a church that at Easter sent out the children, accompanied by an adult of course, the children went out, accompanied by an adult, and they went knocking on doors with Easter eggs. And to each householder, they gave an Easter egg. And the child said to the householder, can I or can we pray with you? How naive is that? Would you expect any results? And this little girl knocks at the door with the Easter egg. Lady comes to the door. I believe in their dressing gown. It's late morning. And a uh, little girl says, we'd like to give you an Easter egg to celebrate Easter Day. Can we pray for you? And the woman said, yes. And the little girl prayed for her. As a result of that, this young woman and her husband came to the church, were converted, and went on mission work to South America. Wow. Isn't that brilliant? Eh? And and then there are people, there are people in the middle of Blackburn on Saturday mornings between the cathedral and the market cafe, out in the open, whatever the weather, putting out chairs and inviting people to come and sit on the chairs... And they pray for them to be healed. How naive is that? I've been there. I went some weeks ago. Because I had a bad back. And I went for my wife as well. It wasn't instant, but my back was healed. And my wife, there have been other things that have happened, has known healing as well. We went to Coleraine, Joan and I, some years ago, to see this healing on the streets. I didn't go to participate, I went to inspect. Suspicious, you see. And I watched. And on the Saturday morning, they put these chairs out. And they play a little bit of music. There's no hype, there's no sermon. And they simply give out pamphlets to passers-by. And people come and sit on these chairs. And they ask what they'd like prayer for. And they pray for them. And they've seen loads of people healed over many years. And I stood alongside doing my inspector's role of this man who had a bad back. 
And he, he said, put your arms out. And he put his arm out. And one arm was longer than the other. Right? They made sure he was settled back, that he, you know, he wasn't <coughs> doing it on purpose. And I saw his arm grow. I had my eyes closed when his foot grew. grew. So when we, were, we go to Calvary Christian Fellowship, we hadn't been there that long. And, and a lady called Margaret says to, to us before the service, Will you pray for me after the service? I've got a bad back. So we say, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. So we had the service, and I have to be honest, I forgot. And then we were having refreshments, and I suddenly thought, oh, Margaret asked us if we'd pray for her. So I find Joan. I said, let's go and find Margaret, and let's pray for her. So we go and find Margaret, and we say, right, you, you like prayer. So we go into church from the lounge. We sit on a chair. And we say, what's the, what's the problem? She says, I've got a bad back. Now, we had learned from Coleraine that sometimes, not every time, but sometimes when people have bad backs, it means that one leg is shorter than the other. So we said to her, would you like to put your legs out straight? And I went to the, you know, she was here on this chair and I was, I was holding her ankles and... Um, Said, put, you know, make sure you put, sit right back in the chair, make sure your legs are straight and straight out. And sure enough, one leg was shorter than the other. And we said, Do you know this? She said, Yes, she did. She has a slight limp. And so we said, Well, we believe Jesus can heal you. So we're going to pray in the name of Jesus for your leg to grow. So we did. Very simply. Now, Joan and I have learned a lot about prayer ministry. And we've taught a lot about it. We always teach that when you pray with someone, you keep your eyes open so you can see what God is doing. On this occasion, I failed. I had my eyes closed. Joan had her eyes open. So I did not see Margaret's leg grow. But Joan did. And she heard a noise in her leg. Margaret's leg had grown. Now, if we told that story to Beth, Beth would say, oh, that's great, that. Hey, Grandad, that's really good. Do you want to measure my legs? <laughs> you tell that to adults, they look a bit like you. Jesus is alive. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is Jesus we're talking about. He heals people. It doesn't always happen because we live in the now and the not yet. The now and the not yet. Okay? Yeah, good. It doesn't always happen because the kingdom hasn't fully come. But it will do one day, and there'll be no pain, no bereavement, no tears, no mourning. One day we shall all be whole. We have some friends who we were at theological college with, and they just had wonderful news about the wife who's told by the oncologist that she's being cured. <coughs> they will be going to church today, rejoicing cautiously. Not because they don't believe, because 
but because there are two other women in that congregation who also have cancer and are not free of it yet. So we have to be cautious. However, we always also have to be true to God. True to him and what he does. Compassionate to those who are struggling with illness or whatever it is which is still influencing them. But I do want to champion being childlike. And so finally, uh, we come to championing naivety over cynicism. I have a definition of cynicism in three words, which I think is brilliant. It's not mine. I don't know where it came from. This is a definition of cynicism. It is nostalgia for belief. Nostalgia for belief. The cynic really longs to believe. Really, really longs to believe. But dare not believe. Because things have gone wrong. They've been disappointed. The world is not as it used to be in the good old days. Things haven't turned out the way they wanted them to turn out. And they've suffered. And the world has touched their lives and corrupted their spirits, broken their spirits. So they long to believe. And they have this nostalgia that once they did believe... And now they don't, they wish they could believe again, but they just can't trust themselves again to God. I, when I was a curate in Wigan, I was sitting at the desk one day and I had all these things on the wall. I had a picture of John Lennon and Nelson Mandela and stuff like that and quotations. And there was this quotation, this nostalgia, this, uh, what's it called? Naivety quotation, yeah, this cynicism quotation. And I looked at it, this cynicism, nostalgia for belief. And I thought, there's something wrong with me. What is it? And this quotation spoke to me. And I thought, I know what's wrong with me. I've lost my trust and belief in man. I've lost my trust in man. I've become suspicious and critical of people. And I put my coat on, I got in the car, and I drove around the streets of Wigan... And eventually I wound down the window, so it was an old car, you see, it didn't go, it wasn't electric, wound down the window and I shouted out of the, out of the window, I shouted, I believe in man! Just to reinstate where I needed to be. This may be true for you this morning. You may be one of those people who says, yeah, they tried that years ago, it didn't work. It won't work again. You might say that when the new vicar comes. He'll come along and he'll say, why don't we do this? No, no, we won't do that. We tried that, vicar, it doesn't work. And he'll try, he'll suggest, no, no, we did that as well. That didn't work either. Oh, pray for him because, you know, he's going to have to survive all that. If that's you, if you're cynical, the Lord wants to give you a new perspective. 
Unless you become like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. He wants you to have the perspective of a little child. He wants you to be trustful, uh, willing to be taken for fool, willing to be taken in. He wants you to be wise. Naivety is close to wisdom. Cynicism isn't. He wants you to be wise. And he'll do all of that for you. And, and you might think, yeah, but I'm too far gone. You know, in my Christian life, I've, I've, I've slipped way back, way back. In a, in a little bit like um, Quasimodo, I may not have a hump on my back, but I do in my mind and in my heart. I've got the hump. And that's why I'm so negative and critical. Well, take heart, good people, take heart. Just look at this morning's reading. Who is it up there on the day of Pentecost telling people about the risen Christ? It's Peter. Peter, who blew hot and cold. Peter, who gets out the boat and then sinks. Peter, who says, declares that Jesus is the Christ and the next thing is telling Jesus he, he shouldn't go to, to Jerusalem. He's trying to prevent Jesus from carrying out his mission. Peter the deformed. Peter the cynical. You may have expected, if you were chosen, you may have chosen John. He'd have been good, wouldn't he? The beloved disciple, he'd have done a fantastic job. Or Matthew. My, Matthew might have done from riches to rags because of the change in his life. Or, even better still, Thomas. What about Thomas? Once doubting, then Jesus appears, it seems, almost specially for him. Why not Thomas? What a story to tell. But it's not. God chooses Peter, whose life has been a mess. And he tells it simply. He doesn't try and use any big words. It doesn't take long. I bet his, his, his uh, Pentecostal address didn't take as long as this with more effect. So take heart, friends. If you're the cynic, if you feel down, if you feel you've made a mess of it, Jesus is alive. And he loves you. And he's alongside you. And uh, you've confessed your sins. And Jesus says to you, there's nothing between us except love. And let's get on with it. Let's do the work that we were meant to do. So I champion today, Resurrection Day, Rainbow Day. I champion a childlike perspective World, take me for a fool. I'll be a fool for Christ's sake. And I champion being naive, trusting people, <clears throat> abandoning my cynicism, embracing once again perhaps what I believed when I first came to Christ, owning him as my friend as well as my redeemer and my saviour. Fantastic, isn't it? Jesus alive in you 
outside you, alongside you. I'm now going to pray. I'm going to pray for, for you, if I may. Okay, let's pray. Lord, I, I want to pray, Jesus. I want to pray as you would have me pray now. I want, want to pray for your people gathered here and the young lady who's left and the lady who's gone to be with her. Lord, I want to pray for your people who you love. I want to pray for them as individuals. Each of you now, Jesus is alongside you. Whether you're sitting, whether you're standing, whatever your state of mind or heart, Jesus is with you now. This is Resurrection Day. And I'd like to suggest to you that you may, as you sit, just open your hands on your lap. Just open your hands to say to the Lord, Lord, I want to receive from you what you want to give me now. And if, you, if you're the cynic, then I pray Jesus will transform your perspective. He will transform your world. His presence will transform you that you will begin to see the positive. You will be slow to anger. I pray you will see beauty and excellence and purity. And these will transform you. And I pray, Jesus, give your people hope. Change their cynicism to hope. Give them the naivety of a little child, a childlike perspective and if you if you have some particular illness at the moment I just pray over you now in Jesus' name Lord Jesus come lay your hand upon your people and bring them your healing heal them Lord I pray that you will give them mountaintop experiences. I pray, Jesus, that you will give them your peace so that they can cope with whatever difficulties lie before them or with whatever problems have beset them perhaps for some years. Jesus, as you were freed from the tomb, in your name I speak freedom to those who feel trapped. And Lord, I pray that each of us will celebrate your resurrection 
day by day. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us. Thank you, Father, that you raised your Son from the dead to be inside us and alongside us. And I pray, Lord, you will bless your people here and as a church that you will take them uh, with you as you advance your kingdom in this place and in this area. Pray for the PCC meeting about to take place and the APCM next Sunday, that the people of your choice will lead, that the person of your choice will be appointed the leader here to lead your people deeper and further into your kingdom, Lord. Lay your hand upon that person at this very moment and draw them here by your Spirit. Amen.